Hello there, I'm Gaia. And I'm Connell. And this is the Monochrome Picture Show. We met during the pandemic, when we were both studying cinema in the Netherlands. Now, three years later, I'm doing my PhD in cinema, and Connell is writing fiction and film criticism for Panther and Frame Rated. We figured we talk about movies all the time anyway, so why not share it with others? Join us each week as we talk about one movie per episode. As Connell publishes his reviews and essays, we dive into each of them in an interview format. If you like what we do and would like to check out more of our work, older episodes and reviews, go to themonochromepictureshow.com or find us on Instagram at themonopic. If you haven't seen the movies yet, beware, each episode contains spoilers. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Monochrome Picture Show. Today we're talking about the beekeeper. Before we dive into a discussion, I'll give you a short summary of the plot. Adam Clay, Jason Statham, is an enigmatic character existing on the fringes of society. He lives in a rural area where he tends to his bees, making honey for his neighbor and gradually learning to open up. But this Idyllic existence shatters when his neighbor falls victim to a heartless scam, losing everything and succumbing to the crushing weight of despair. Fueled by grief and righteous fury, Adam embarks on a quest for vengeance, determined to find and bring to justice those responsible. Okay, you can find a review of this movie on framerated.co.uk, but we'll leave a link for that in the description anyway. Let's begin our conversation Mm -hmm. on The Beekeeper. Mm -hmm. We just watched it very recently. Yeah. And we both thought it was quite bad. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the reasons why it was actually bad? Uh, there are a number of reasons why I think it was well, definitely not as good as it could have been. Mm. Uh, the, I think the main reason was the total lack of any character or any sense of growth or development in the people that we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this often is an issue with action films, I think, where there's so much dedication to cramming in as much action as possible, Mm -hmm. and so many different set pieces with perhaps overwrought choreography and fast editing that perhaps the more human elements of the story are lost as a result. So there are a number of reasons why we thought this movie was actually bad. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's dive into them. Let's start from the director. Yeah, so that's actually what I point to first of all in my article, which is that David Ayer, who has done a lot of action thrillers, and I've never really liked any of his films, so I suppose I went in with a little bit of a bias. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's made a few bad films, but this one I think takes the gig. Though, by the sound of it, A lot of people are enjoying it, so maybe I'm just being too harsh. But a lot of his tropes and trademarks as a director are on full display. So Mm. very excessive violence, I would say. 
that borders on grim and uncritical mm -hmm. because oftentimes in his films his heroes tend to use really grisly violence and you begin to question whether or not he's intending for them to be anti-heroes mm -hmm. or if he's just confused about their ethics. Would you like to name some other movies that he's done that mm. uh, show maybe the same traits or the same archetypes in, in characters? I think the first film that he directed was Harsh Times, which was released in 2005 with Christian Bale. Mm -hmm. And that's a good example of a character who demonstrates a total lack of morality, but is also the protagonist. Although in that film, I don't necessarily think that Ayer is depicting him as a, a hero you would want to identify with. But there are other examples such as Fury, which mm. I didn't necessarily enjoy. I, I know that some people did. Suicide Squad, he directed, and I know most people were pretty disappointed with yeah. that. And he also did a film called The Tax Collector, which was very bad. <laughs> okay. The thing is that we both thought it was quite bad in a sense that it wasn't a good movie. No. But... It was still very much enjoyable. Yeah, it, I think it borders on being so bad it's good. Yeah. Because it is ridiculous. Uh-huh, a guilty pleasure. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did go into the film with that expectation that mm -hmm. it was going to be silly. Yes. I didn't expect it to be so silly that I was genuinely confused about what their goals were mm -hmm. for anything. I didn't really understand what they were going for. Yeah. It's not really self-reflective or self-aware. Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually a point that I make in the article, mm -hmm. which is that David Ayer's writing mm. often comes across as very un-self-aware. Yes. So it feels a lot of the time like he's trying to be cool and deliver these lines that are perhaps he thinks will become iconic, mm -hmm. and they just actually come across as really immature yeah, cringy, and a yeah, cringy a little bit corny mm, mm. but he didn't write the screenplay for the beekeeper though yeah and in the opening credits that was something that i noticed and thought okay perhaps that means there's hope for the film mm. because one of his biggest failings as a filmmaker is the weakness of his scripts mm -hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm He's definitely got a thing for the action genre. And actually, he wrote Training Day, mm. which is very good, mm. but he didn't direct it. Okay. It seems as though that was going to be the best thing that he wrote in his career. And since then, I don't think there's a script that you could point to that he wrote that, wa that stood out mm. as being necessarily well-written. Fury, perhaps, is an exception, but like I said already, I didn't necessarily think it was that compelling of a story. And that could be down to his direction. Mm. The screenplay for The Beekeeper was mm. written by Kurt... Uh, it was written by Kurt Wimmer. Kurt Wimmer, yes. Who's written some interesting things as well, like The Thomas Crown Affair, which mm. was a remake in the late 90s. can't remember anything else that he's done. That's okay, but if we circle back to the fact that the writing is one of the things that makes this movie ultimately enjoyable but not good mm -hmm. yeah what what went wrong with the writing you, you reckon well 
the biggest thing which we're going to come back to later mm-hmm. was the lack of character and subsequently the mm. lack of any kind of growth or development mm. but i mean the writing's poor in a number of areas mm-hmm. everybody's acting as an archetype mm. but besides that i don't really think there are any standout lines and i think it may be because of the fact that it's not self-aware Mm. certain aspects of the plot don't really make sense so for example Jason Statham's character Adam Clay decides to let some people go only to find them five minutes later oh yeah so, which it just it, it feels like they didn't really have an idea of how to get from A to B mm-hmm. with certain scenes mm-hmm. and so characters decisions don't necessarily make any sense and as well as that you know it's full of genre cliches from any action film like Jason Statham demonstrates this selective slaughter so he will (laughs) annihilate and decimate almost any secret service agent or FBI uh, agent that he comes across but whenever it comes to a protagonist or Mm. a sidekick he spares them he spares them which (laughs) it it just it yeah it's weak and it's very predictable Mm. I'd say I suppose if you would like to turn this into a pro mm-hmm. aspect of it, you could say that it's uh, very reassuring because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we already gave you a spoiler alert mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of the episode. No protagonist dies. Nobody dies. Mm. Only people who are not real characters or full-on antagonists mm-hmm. die in this movie, which is really mm. nice. Like, if you're an anxious movie watcher like me this can be turned into a positive side mm-hmm. because yeah. it's a, like I suppose not a good one but a classic action film so good people will survive mm-hmm. bad people will perish yeah which is nice it is I suppose <laughs> if you don't want to have any aspect Surprises. of tension yeah. or suspense because exactly. and, and this also returns back to the lack of meaningful characters Mm -hmm. because you don't really care what Mm. happens to anybody because no investment is put into the personalities on screen so Mm. they all just feel like baseless archetypes yeah caricatures i think perhaps an exception to this is the main antagonist which is uh, josh hutcherson his character feels a little bit more developed than the rest because he has a certain style, he speaks in a certain way. I think perhaps the performance of the actor helps because he's a he's a yeah. very talented actor. Mm-hmm. He the material is not excellent, obviously, but it's quite simple perhaps to convey mm. as well. So very as it's stereotypical, I think he does a great job to play on that stereotype and exaggerate it. Yeah, mm. I think actually his performance may be the best in the film. I'd say so. Although. Jeremy Irons also gives I was also thinking of him, yeah. The pair of them, I mean, all of the performers are struggling with the lack of compelling material. Mm -hmm. But Hutcherson and Irons do deliver their lines very convincingly. Yeah. And even though Josh Hutcherson's character is just the stereotype of the spoiled rich kid. Yeah, contemporary spoiled rich kid Mm. in uh, 2024. I like that. I think it's a fresh stereotype. Mm. <laughs> like a new stereotype. Still a stereotype, but a new one, which is lovely. 
Okay, we're kind of checking all the boxes for formal aspects of the film that made it bad. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the director, we talked about the writing. Let's talk about the editing a little bit. Yeah. What did you think of that? I actually think the editing was purposefully frantic in order to Mm -hmm. cover up some of the missteps of director Mm -hmm. David Ayer because Mm -hmm. there is a lot in the film that simply wouldn't make sense if you filmed it from a wider angle. Uh So... The DOP and the editor, Ayer, clearly had an idea that he wanted close-ups with fast cuts, mm-hmm. which I don't think makes for very interesting action to watch because you often can't really tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. I would say that for a lot of these issues, you're not really sure who you can fault for them because it's a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Ayer is going to be controlling a lot of these things as the director. Mm-hmm. So... If he's deciding that this is the way the action is going to be shot, then the DOP is going to work with that, and then the editor is going to follow his instructions as well in order to make everything as action-packed as possible. Mm -hmm. This frantic cutting and editing, sometimes it's quite beneficial, or or at least, well, not in the fight scenes so much, Mm -hmm. but in terms of narrative economy, the editor is quite adept because he goes from one scene to the next with very little Mm. in between which is beneficial for the film because it's decided that it's not going to be interested in character or theme so he's just skipping ahead to the next exciting set piece yeah there actually there was a term for that hyper narrativity hyper narrativity from one plot point to the other yeah it's probably safe to say that this is a good example of contemporary hyper-narratives in action films. Mm-hmm. So if you want an action film that is packed with action, the plot is easy to follow, and characters are very easy to understand, I suppose, <laughs> yeah. you're in for a treat, you're going to love it. Also, if you like some B uh, trivia. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. Which also comes back to the writing just yeah. being totally bizarre in some we- scenes. Exactly. Or Well, I did like that. I, if anything, I wish, and that's also something that you mentioned in your, in your review, I wish there was more yeah. trivia because then it would make it, like, like it would just make it quirkier and I would have liked that better. Yeah. But if they really went in on yeah. the B theme, it could have been quite interesting, but it's surface level. Exactly. Okay, so we already touched upon the performances, but let's now dive into what you claim is probably the deepest issue with the movie, which is the lack of character development. Yeah, it's most prominent in the protagonists. So Jason Statham's Mm -hmm. Adam Clay and his pseudo sidekick from afar, FBI agent Parker, Mm -hmm. I think, played by Emmy Raver Lampman. And, you know, as we already said, a lot of the performances suffer from the poor writing. It's most evident in her performance because it's really bizarre. I mean, so we've already mentioned that there are going to be spoilers. So this is another one, though it happens about five minutes into the film. (laughs) Her mother commits suicide and, you know, she's distraught. And then like 10 minutes later... She's totally fine and she's yeah. quipping with her partner. Yeah. And it's never really mentioned again. She continues being blasé about the whole thing, you know, delivering what are ostensibly cool lines, I suppose. And it feels really bizarre that they didn't decide to investigate mm-hmm. her as a character a bit more, considering mm-hmm. how much screen time they give her. Yeah. Which is another thing. Jason Statham's character, 
I mean, he only seems to be on screen for about half an hour Mm -hmm. of a film that's an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, no, she gets loads of screen time. And actually, I wanted to dive into a... uh, See, this is a great example of a woman written by a man, but I stopped myself because actually every character feels the same. Just shallow and Mm -hmm. very archetypal. Yeah. Yeah, so they give her a bit of a drinking problem. Well, not really. Or, Or I suppose a drinking trait... But we don't know anything about her personality. We don't know anything about her mm. at all, or about anybody else. That's that's the interesting thing. Like the, yeah. we get this, we get these flash portraits mm-hmm. of characters, yeah. regardless of whether they are protagonists, antagonists. As I said, perhaps a bit of an exception is the main antagonist. Yeah, although I mean he's pretty stereotypical as well. As well, but perhaps he's shown in a more personalized light, mm-hmm. but ever so slightly, really. I think it's just because Josh Hutcherson does well with the material. You know, you can also see this issue with Jason Statham's Adam Clay. Mm-hmm. So he's reported to be this ultra-trained, mm-hmm. unstoppable force. Yeah, but we know nothing about him. No, we know absolutely nothing about the program what it demanded of him what how he got to into him, it I, I, yeah. as well there's nothing that we're given mm-hmm. about him as a character he's purely he's just the protagonist yeah who is a beekeeper a beekeeper mm-hmm. and also the beekeeper <laughs> yeah. which is a super secret organization that not even the FBI or CIA know about yeah it yeah it's from beginning to end a lot of the things don't make sense Yes. And something that we agreed on right after watching the movie was that it's a pity that Mm -hmm. the character development was basically not there at all because it had a lot of potential because it's a very interesting premise for a movie. Mm -hmm. Also the fact that their stories could have intersected Mm -hmm. thanks to the mother and that is also never, never, never progressed in the plot. They see each other at a certain point. Like it's... You know, it's they pretty... could have done so much with that. Yeah. I mean, she didn't need to be related to the mother exactly. at all. Exactly. For was... how they, 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 exactly. they progressed it. They, she didn't have to. Exactly, yeah. I she actually, didn't need to. Yeah, I think it would have been better if she was only an FBI agent mm-hmm. who had her eye on Clay yeah. as a suspect. Yeah. As opposed to her being related to the deceased for no reason. I mean, yeah. no good reason, because they don't develop on it at all. No. It Which just, makes it just feel very strange. Yes, it gives a really bleak premise, a really bleak beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, but then it doesn't progress in any in any, in any direction. No. So it didn't have any, yeah. a need to be there, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the lack of character development, which is also a bit of a trope or a bit of an issue mm-hmm. in the genre of action movies as a whole. Yeah, it is, yeah. Are there some examples of action movies which actually take some time to incorporate character development yeah there are there you know some of my favorites do that so mm. the raid 2 mm-hmm. which came out in 2014 i think it's probably one of the best action films of the 21st century mm-hmm. uh, some gr- good classic action films like terminator 2 incorporate you know a lot of character which make it quite a moving mm-hmm. film that despite the fact there is action constantly on mm-hmm. display. Another good one is Die Hard, which I'm sure everybody loves. Yes. And, you know, part of the reason for that is because of the fact that you spend a large portion of the film 
with Bruce Willis's mm-hmm. John McClane, mm-hmm. and you get to know him as a character and as a personality. Also, Casino Royale from 2006, mm-hmm. not so much the ones that followed with Daniel Craig, but that one was really interesting because mm-hmm. they incorporate character into the action, and you see the character development as him as a spy and as a human in the action. So he's very stubborn and arrogant at the beginning of the film. And he's got a huge ego, which causes him to make bad decisions. And throughout the course of the film, he learns that he has to sacrifice that mm-hmm. in order to grow. And you, But that his character drives the action sequences because his flaw is rooted mm-hmm. in his approach to his job, which makes for pretty compelling action sequences. Yeah. Uh, some other w- good ones are Gladiator, and a, a, a good classic one actually is Seven Samurai from 1954. Mm-hmm. And Akira Kurosawa did lots of action films, particularly samurai epics. And he's done, you know, some really good adventure action thrillers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I, I wrote an article on actually called The Hidden Fortress. Mm. And it became apparent that that film, though amazing as an action film, it lacked the emotion of some of his other films, which is why The Seven Samurai stands out in my mind. It's got a whole wealth of really interesting characters who are trying to overcome their flaws to protect this village from bandits. That is a wonderful movie, I remember. But where can we find the review? You can find my review of The Hidden Fortress Mm -hmm. on framerated.co.uk. Yes, that's a great example of Japanese cinema. Mm, Oh, I loved it. If you would have to pick a movie that invests a lot in character development, which one would you pick? Well, we were talking about it actually as we left the cinema for The Beekeeper. Probably the film that I would pick would be The Bourne Identity. Mm -hmm. The two films are quite comparable Mm -hmm. because of the fact that they both focus on a secret service or deep undercover espionage agent. They're pretty starkly contrasted because of the fact that the Bourne Identity invests so much into this character Mm -hmm. and you can even hear it in the title. It's about his identity and that largely drives the plot forward and it gives this theme that connects everything together, making the action important and a welcome deviation, I suppose, from you know what otherwise could be a drama or a, a thriller. Mm. The Bourne trilogy is one of the most interesting action movies I've seen in a while. There is much more to say about it, mm-hmm. and luckily we will do so in our next episode. Yeah. So do you have any other conclusive remarks on The Beekeeper at this point? <laughs> I'd say that though it wasn't a good film by any means, mm-hmm. it was fun to watch it. Yes, it was fun. <laughs> a guilty pleasure. Yeah, a guilty pleasure, exactly. This concludes our conversation on The Beekeeper. We hope you found it interesting. Go watch it if you get the chance. Let us know what you think. 
This was the Monochrome Picture Show. We are Gaia and Connell. Do leave us a review. Go check our website or our Instagram page. Our website is linked in the description, but it's just themonochromepictureshow.com. We'll see you in the next episode where we'll talk about the Bourne trilogy and tell you why character development is maybe one of the most important things in Mm. filmmaking, but also generally. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Okay. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening and bye.